Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I.co. Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to talk about co-creating the relationship. And of course, when we talk about the relationship, we're talking about uh, your relationship with the client. Noel, good morning. Good morning. Yes, we're talking about the relationship with a client. And like so many other things, you can apply the science of life coaching to many different relationships in your life. So I would like to invite everyone to imagine how taking this stance of co-creating a relationship can work out in all different facets of your life. Can I just say one thing off the subject before we continue? Yes. So I'm in a hotel room, um, sitting on a toilet, doing a podcast, and I love the fact that uh, our podcast can be done anywhere, and that because um, of my, uh, you know, uh, ability to be mobile as a life coach, uh, that I could do things like this. And I just had that revelation as I was logging on to podcast with you. Yes, I love that. And and um, so, guys, you should know that I, I typically podcast from the exact same place at a table in my house, and John sits in closets. He sits toilets. on toilets. <laughs> <laughs> he sits in really weird places. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's always an adventure. We have something called Office Hours um, at Journey Coaching where I, I pop in on a Facebook live and I've been known to do them behind dumpsters in dark alleyways uh, all over the place, which the life of a life coach, you know, I know it keeps it interesting and it keeps it honest, which I appreciate. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about, um, co-creating the relationship Two components. Yes. And so these, where does this come from? You know, let's start there. This comes from the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, which is the organization that we are accredited by. And so as we're working through these, these are the professional standards that you learn as you go through the credentialing process to become an ICF credentialed coach. And these these are the standards that we train at at Journey. So there is a standard of co-creating the relationship, and that has two parts. The first one is establishing both trust and intimacy with the client. Right. And this is like, this is the beginning of everything. I mean, this is what I call soil. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so when I was saying, you know, we can use this for any relationship in our life. Imagine how in re- relationships are either enhanced or detracted from when there's not trust and intimacy that's established. Right. I mean, everything starts with trust. And and also, if you're active on social media, um, in today's world, the, the building trust actually happens before you even meet your client. Oh, yes, very much. And that's through sharing your story, through being authentic. And, yeah, how you show um, up how you show up. So the actual definition here of establishing trust and intimacy centers on your ability as a coach to create a safe and supportive environment. And the outcome of that environment in a coaching relationship is is that the production and active production of mutual respect and trust. So how do you how do you do that in the beginning with a client? Uh, This is a question I get all the time. when you're in practice, how do you actually start building trust and intimacy with the client? Yeah. So the way that, that I roll with it is when, um, somebody 
wants to work with me for the very first time before that I ever take them on as a client, we have a conversation and we just talk about our lives, you know, how we see the world, a little bit about what the person wants to do. And I might throw some coaching ideas out and say, this is a technique I might use. And I actually ask the client, do you feel comfortable talking to me? Do you feel like you're able to open up to me? How is the experience of this conversation for you? Has anyone, has anyone ever said no? <laughs> has anyone ever said, actually, I don't? <laughs> well, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there is just a personality conflict between two people. And that can be due to a lot of different factors. I tend to talk really slowly. I'm very soft-spoken. If somebody has a very loud, booming voice and they talk very, very, very quickly and very, very, very rapidly, I've learned over the years that person and I are probably not going to be a good fit as coach and client because client will get frustrated that I don't match that communication style. As you were just saying that, um, you were describing me because <laughs> I am actually loud. I speak very fast. Uh, I have this this problem of interrupting people. Um, and, and you're the complete opposite. You are very thorough. You, you speak very calmly. Um, so I would not be a good fit for you as far as, far as client. No, I, I don't think so. And, <laughs> right. and, you know, and, and we've like, listen, like we're, we're wonderful business partners. We're wonderful friends. Um, you know, we've, we've had exchanges over the years where like we, we talk about stuff, but you get impatient because I go so yeah. slow. <laughs> and, and, and it's just true. And so let's sit with that for a second. Because I think that when we live in community with others, when we live in professional relationships with others, there's this expectation that we can't say things like that without hurting other people's feelings. Mm, right, right. I like how I like how direct you are. Uh, like you said, you just, I actually just asked my clients flat out, you know, do you think we're going to be a good fit? And I think a lot of coaches, um, they're afraid to do that, right? That, because that's such a direct question. It feels weird. It's such a direct question. And that's also part of my style in coaching and in life. Mm -hmm. I am a ridiculously direct person and I really like to deal in fact. And if you can't handle that, it's not going to be a good relationship. Yeah. And I got to say, so I appreciate directness and I think um, the client will also uh, not only appreciate that, but when a, a coach is that direct, it actually uh, demonstrates confidence. It actually mm -hmm. shows that, that the coaches has boundaries, you know. Very much so. And this is, again, something that I have the luxury of having developed over a period of 10 years of engaging in this work and really working on self-regulation really working on dropping down into a stance to engage in active and deep listening, listening for words, listening for emotion, listening for feeling. And, and right in there is the ability to not take words at face value and to say there's something deeper here. What's really going on? What do we need to know? What don't we know? Which, by the way, that's a practice. Um, yes. And it's, a, it's such a valuable tool. Um, and, you know, what Noel was talking about is is looking deeper so you're not just listening to the words, but you're um, taking in energy, body language, you know. Um, words are such a small component of communication. Very much. And most of the time, 
people believe that they said something different than what they actually said, or they hear something different than what was actually said in, in, in 80% of exchanges. And so that's just something that we all need to hold in our minds as we navigate the world in this way. So, you know, the good thing about having competencies around this is if you're listening and saying, well, geez, I have absolutely no idea how to start. We have actual ways for you to start. So when we're looking at trust and intimacy with a client, number one is showing up with genuine concern Mm -hmm. for the client's Mm -hmm. welfare and future. Genuine concern. So that can show up in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, and I got to say, uh, when you do this for a long time, and it doesn't matter if you're a coach or uh, you're a nurse, any any business where you're helping other people, um, it could turn into a business. And over time, uh, you could start to kind of fade out and not show genuine concern. Like after a while, you could be on autopilot. So you got to really be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the next point is demonstrating personal integrity, honesty, and sincerity. And mm. this feels like it should be really straightforward, but it's actually tricky when you're first starting out as a coach because you're balancing the desire to be honest and authentic and truthful with the simultaneous valid and appropriate desire to show up as a coach, to perform well, to bring clients into your practice, to gain traction. And sometimes you overperform. Sometimes you put forth content that isn't in true alignment. Sometimes you might question yourself on your sincerity. And that's okay. It's part of the process. Yeah. I, I think it's about being aware of it, um, not so much uh, bashing or judging yourself for it because, you know, as coaches, we're also human. Um, and, and you got you to gotta give yourself some slack. Absolutely. And, you know, with with all of this work, it's a progression. So there's no way that that we can hold young coaches to the standards of mastery. The standards of awareness are really where we need to land. Um, Awareness and being able to manage yourself in a way that you can show up and do the work. the next one is is this one's pretty easy and straightforward. It's um, keeping agreements and promises. Yes, absolutely. So um, contracts, uh, verbal agreements, right? All of that stuff. All of that stuff. Doing what you say you're going to do. If you say that you're going to provide a client with an introduction to do so in a timely manner. If you say, oh, you're going, I have this great article for you, you know, make sure that you send it in a timely manner. And then keeping on right down the line, we have, and this is something that I think is really important to talk about and to talk about how we figure this stuff out, is demonstrating respect for a client's perceptions, learning style, and personal being. So what do you mean by that? Do you mean um, holding a non-judgmental space? What do you mean by demonstrating respect? How do you show that in behavior and action? Yeah. So you and I are really great classic examples of people who do things very differently. Um, I I like to read. I read extensively. If there's something that I need to learn, I come at it from a perspective of empirical fact and you know academic citation. You're somebody who's an experiential learner. You learn things by jumping in, by doing them, by playing with the Legos and forming your own conclusions. What 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 is um what is reading again? 
What I've never heard of that. <laughs> exactly. So ironic for a writer, John. It's so ironic. Um, but 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 you know, learning styles don't have a value assignment. Like it is true that John is an experiential learner. It is true that I am an auditory and visual learner. And so if someone is coaching either one of us, if I were helping John to design actions, they would be um, sub goals and actions in the arena of experimentation, saying and doing, trying on new behaviors. If someone were coaching me, it would be more uh, learning goals as sub goals. Read this book, come back with data. What did you learn? And then that would then inform action. So this is how you do it in coaching. Yeah, so knowing that about your client and then adjusting to them, adjusting based on what to you know. it. Yeah, and taking um, you know as a premise that the way that you learn might be different than the way your client learns, and to not hold an expectation for them that's not going to fit. So the next piece up is looking at um, championing new behavior, including risk taking. This is huge in coaching, and we've talked about this a yeah. little bit before. And, you know, when you're, when you're working on becoming a coach, one of the things that you have to evaluate is your own relationship with risk. Mm. So are you saying to not put your own, um, uh, whether it's fear or your own definitions of risk onto your client? Yes. And yeah. it's a little bit of a deeper cut. So if you are somebody who is very comfortable with risk and has done a lot of risk taking in life, you might forget how scary it is to get used to taking risks in life. And yeah. you might um, disproportionately encourage your client to jump before they're ready. On the other side of the coin, if you're somebody who has a strong level of discomfort with risk and your client wants to move forward, you might unconsciously levy fears on them that they don't need. Right, right. So like indirectly um, affecting your client uh, in a way that isn't their truth, but it's because of yours, because of your yes. story. Right, yes. absolutely. Very much so. And then finally, you know, when we're looking at trust and intimacy, it's this thing that we've been talking about so much and it's asking permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So literally asking permission, right? Literally asking permission. And, you know, thinking about it conversationally, you know, you think about the way that you guys who are listening actually go through the world every day where you're listening to someone talk and it's really common to be thinking about what you're going to say next versus what that person's actually saying. This is a practice that forces you to pause, think about what the person has said, and ask permission if you want to introduce something or ask them about their life. It's super respectful. <laughs> it's, it's actually what's missing in the world. Yes, very much so. And so this is, you know, a challenge to bring this idea of asking permission to your everyday life and just see what happens. And, and listen, as I go through this real quick, I'm going to give you guys the bullet points. Think about not just your client, but also think about your relationship. So uh, this applies to your friendships, your you know relationship with your partner, your boss, anyone. And so, uh, real quick, shows genuine concern for the client's welfare future. That's one. Two demonstrates personal integrity, honesty, and sincerity. Uh, three establishes clear-cut agreements and keeps promises. Four demonstrates respect for the client's perceptions, learning style, personal being, 
Five, provides ongoing support and champions new behaviors and actions, including those involving risk-taking and fear of failure. And then finally, six, asks for permission to coach a client in sensitive and new areas. So this, and this, this is why I say it's soil. This actually can apply to any relationship. It can apply to any relationship, and it just makes us better um, as we show up in the world. And, um, you know, I'm excited to keep working through these as we podcast through them because, you know, these are skills that um, that we can use for ourselves. So even just thinking about asking permission, as I've been working with this as a practice for myself, an outcome that I really didn't expect is that I'm learning when I need to give myself permission to not be present in a certain conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think about that. So mm-hmm. actually um, asking yourself, giving yourself permission, sure. Yeah. And, and thinking about the very different diverse contexts of, of life that people are in. I'll give you an example. So, you know, I run Journey. Um, there's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, that come through the Journey platform, the Journey organization. So the volume of human, human exchange and human interaction that I go through on a daily or weekly basis with very sensitive issues that are uh, stressful and emotional is pretty high compared to the average bear, right? Sure, sure. Um, And I have a lot of really great, absolutely wonderful, brilliant friends who right now want to have very intense conversations (laughs) about everything that's happening in the world. And usually I'm a person who wants to get right in there. And, and right now, you know, I've had to say no thanks. Mm, Right. And I, and I, and I just don't want to do that right now. I need an actual break. Well, because you're usually the person that wants to get right in there, and also you're able to to provide a safe space. I'm I'm sure that uh, all your friends and 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 maybe family and and whoever else they're so used to coming to you. Here they come, here <laughs> and you're come. like, okay, I'm exhausted. Here they come, and I've actually offered that to my friends and saying, hey guys, you know, before you just like lean in on me, um, can you ask me if I'm ready to receive it first? Oh, I like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you actually setting that boundary and um, asking them to ask you. Yes, because it may be a yes, it may be a no. Who knows? (laughs) You know, that's also going to be telling on um, the kind of friendships you have, because if people aren't willing to do that, then maybe they're not good friends (laughs) or don't have the tools to be your friend. Oh, my goodness. I had a a hilarious conversation with my father the other night. He... uh, we were on the phone. He he didn't abide by the boundary of asking permission. And he really gave me a hard time about like five things that were completely beyond my control, like, mm-hmm. like 100% beyond my control. And I said, dad, you know, I hear your concern, but all you're doing is beating up on me and none of this is helpful mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his next sentence was, well, this is just how I show I love you. Right. <laughs> and I right. was like, I love you too. Next time you can just say that. Like, Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I actually like that. I like that. He said that. <laughs> me too. Yeah. It was awesome. really cute. It was really cute. And it's like, you know, it's like, guys, these are the kinds of exchanges that you can be having in order to draw some boundaries, ask permission, protect yourself, preserve your energy, and do better by the people around you. 
Yes. Love it. Great reminders this morning. Awesome. Well, John, we won't keep you sitting on a toilet for much longer. (laughs) Um, And, you know, uh, everybody, we have so many awesome people coming into Journey Coaching right now. So if you are looking for a community to have these kinds of conversations with others, um, give us a call. We'd love to hear your story and we'd love to help you find out if coaching is the right path for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to also say, you know, um, one of the things that I love about Noel and I is that uh, is our differences, our contrast. And so if you're interested in, in coaching, um, you can also be the type of coach that sits on toilets and does podcasts or um, in, in, in uh, her lovely home. So, you know, uh, the, the spectrum is wide. And so give, give us a call and, and we can talk about it and we'll see you in class. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.